And we're back. Go Big 12 or Go Big Home. I'm Brandon Shanahan, joined as always by Iowa broadcasting legend Drew Russell. Drew Russell, what a weekend. How's it been, man? Oh, man, Brandon. It has been outstanding. Want to give a big shout out before we get into college to my beloved Minnesota Vikings along with your They're beloved back. Denver Broncos. We're back. So back. So back. We I, we took out a uh, a decent 49ers team yeah. led by uh, former Iowa State quarterback Brock Purdy. And Broncos took out the uh, the bad team out of Wisconsin last weekend, so I, I love the Broncos. So yeah. uh, it was a good time, I must say, Brandon. It was a good weekend of uh, football last week. So let me ask you this. Um, so my my timeline is very much um, on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to Brock Purdy as an NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you have the argument that he's a system quarterback, or you have the argument that he is just actually a good NFL quarterback, where do you fall on that spectrum? Is it just that he's surrounded by Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle? Or, you know, is he actually like a functional quarterback? This is one of the most interesting debates for an NFL QB I think we've had in a few years because I can make an argument for both sides. I could say on one end, this 49ers team has had a lot of QBs go through the Shanahan system with capable, I mean, that capable talent. You look at a guy like Jimmy G, you go through Trey Lance. Those guys couldn't get it done. CJ Beathard, if we're going to throw about, talk about Iowa, former Iowa quarterbacks just for fun. I know you always enjoy those stats. They couldn't get it done. Brock Purdy comes in. They don't know kind of what's going on at QB. And guess what? This young man, Mr. Irrelevant, comes in and delivers win after win. He's playing great football, not turning it over. Won the respect of that locker room really quick. Like all those veterans. I mean, those are some egos and personalities. And they all love this kid. So he knew how to win that locker room. So like on that end, this guy's and and he was doing what he was told. He did it great. Executed a high level. And yet I can still make an argument on the other side that you know, what I saw on Monday night, especially those two interceptions in the fourth quarter, you know, at Iowa State, this is one of the greatest players in Iowa State football history. But there was oftentimes a couple, mo- a few moments per season where he would make a throw or a play and you'd say, what on earth are you doing? Uh, it, it was almost unconscionable of what the stuff he pulled. So, you know, last two weeks haven't been his finest. Um, he's still a good QB. So I think the 49ers... They've got their right QB for this year, but again, if they uh, if he plays like more like he did Monday night, then those those questions are going to continue to arise. Yeah, it's interesting when you have so many people on different ends of the spectrum, like you do with this topic. The truth typically falls pretty well in the middle, and I think that's where, where we're at here. I think you know, I think if you throw him into the to the fire at Carolina, he's not much better. Yeah. Um, he, uh, but yeah, he's he's fortunate to be around good coaching. He's fortunate to have great talent around him and defense mm-hmm. that creates opportunities to let him shine. But there's also he's also getting it done. I mean, yes. like you said, this isn't just like the third quarterback who's been through the system and has had success. This isn't just like the latest. Like I remember when uh, Tom Brady went down or went out uh, with the Flake Gate. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo came in, won three starts. And then Jacoby Brissett, I think, he even won the fourth start 
or, or something crazy like that. And then you, you kind of have those conversations. It was like, okay, well, Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick can win with any quarterback. What value is Tom Brady? Obviously, those questions have been answered. Uh, but this isn't that. You have, mm-hmm. you know, a $170 million quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, who, you know, the, the Niners sought out and traded for. And yeah, he was fine too. But then you get the super talented, super high upside guy in Trey Lance, mm-hmm. and Brock Purdy beats him out fair and square this year. You even have another high draft pick in Sam Darnold in camp this year that Brock Purdy beats out. Great. I mean, if, if you think that anybody could do it, why not have those guys do it? Why yes. not have Trey Lance do it? I mean, you already paid a signing bonus. He's cheap. So just keep him up, keep the upside. They decided that he was they couldn't make it work, so they traded him for like a late round draft pick. They didn't even want him on the team. Yeah. And I and I think there's also something to be said. If you did watch him a lot in college football, it's a much different experience than where he's at now. And I think that that's a lot of development. And yep. I think that you can see the growth that he's taken even since that that crazy game in Clemson. Yeah. And the uh, and the Orange Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, what a what a showing! And now he's you know competing at the highest level in the NFL, yep. uh, pretty well. He is no, and give him a lot of credit for getting that opportunity and and running with it. Uh, I mean, a lot of guys we've seen over and over in the NFL, especially in this era, the patience level between coaching staffs, ownerships and fan bases is pretty minimal at every position. If you don't produce, they are going to find someone else and rather quick because this is a results oriented business. And for him, I mean, that might've only been a two, three, four game start. Originally they were hoping to get Garoppolo back last year, but he comes in, he plays well. I remember when, you know, there was the billing of Tom Brady versus Brock Purdy and this guy with all these wins going home to take on this new kid that was the last pick of the draft. And San Francisco played great and beat the living breaks out of him. And Purdy's really run with that opportunity since. And despite the, even the recent two-game losing streak, I mean, his worst game of a pro was Monday night. Um, but... He has an opportunity to to bounce back. He usually does. We'll see. But fascinating deal. That says a Vikings fan, please, he played poorly. And uh, go Vikes. And uh, we got the team out east. My version of the team out east on Sunday <laughs> um, as they'll take on Green Bay. So, But that's it. That's enough for NFL. We're here to talk Big yeah. 12. But we I do like the Brock Purdy that is yeah. a former Big 12 player. And, and it is. It's it a counts. fascinating. It, it counts. counts. It definitely counts. It's a 12 for sure. And uh um, he's a fascinating player. It's a great story. And, um, you know, we like to see our big 12 guys do well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another kind of college football outside of the big 12, I wanted to kind of get on, on the air is that the debacle out in Eastern Iowa last Saturday. I mean, I'll Man. tell you what, Drew Russell, if I could capture that moment and sell it, nobody would ever get anything done. Cause they'd be too busy chasing the joy that I felt, when they the football gods finally <laughs> intervened they said we can't have you six and one like this you, you we can't we got to put an end to this i gotta ask you brandon have you ever seen the movie the pursuit of happiness with will smith yeah i, have. I feel like 
how you felt that Saturday night was exactly the same moment at the end of the movie when he's just like gets that job and he's like keeping it together. You know, I don't think you kept it together. I'm guessing you were just enjoying every moment loudly because I mean that, that, but there's that feeling of euphoria and it's tough to beat. It's crazy to compare it because this man uh, worked and grinded for a very uh, unlikely opportunity that's life-changing for him and his son who had to sleep in homeless shelters and bounce from hotel to hotel and sell his little computer machine that nobody wanted to buy. And then he finally gets this life-changing opportunity. It's It, it feels cruel to compare it, but yeah, I would yes. absolutely compare it to that. <laughs> um, and, you know, the same kind of expression where I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, I, I didn't have tears down my eyes this time, but it, it could have gotten there pretty quickly. Uh, but yeah, just the, the sense, because as soon as it happened, I'm doom tweeting. I'm like, I can't believe they're getting away with this. Got, got in the group chats that, uh, that I'm in. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe this is happening again. And then immediately after was like, never mind. It's all, <laughs> it's calling it back. I can't believe it. You know, what's absolutely hysterical is it's funny. This team, Iowa has lived off defense and punting now. I mean, that's been the bread and butter of the Kirk Ferentz era. But like literally they're only winning games the last few years because of defense and special teams. Really not anything that their offense is doing like at all. And I just love that they score six. And however you feel about that call, whether you hate it, whether you love it, I just love that at the end of the day, they take it back and like Iowa fans are just like, well, even though we only have to go, what, 25, 35 yards for field goal, it's over. There's no chance we can move against this Minnesota defense, which has given up a couple of big weeks of points this season. No, can't be done. That's it. That's the ball game. And that's what happened. I mean, just pretty remarkable. Like, I mean, usually you're like, hey, we're at midfield. We're in good shape. Yeah. And instead, um, now we've got, I mean, the articles have been absolutely off the rails this week. Uh, I, I read just a couple of days ago about nepotism in the Iowa program, which that's not uh, anything new in terms of storylines articles with uh, Kirk Ferentz's son, Brian, as the the official poster child of that right now and uh hey the fight for 325 isn't looking great right now um they might get their wins but i don't know if they're gonna get that and the funny thing is i don't know if he'll get fired i i still like think they're gonna find a way to make sure he comes back another year there's no shot he's coming back i but weirdly think there is i don't know why I I, so. on paper it would never even remotely happen like you know I love my Arkansas Razorbacks, Brandon. And look, they play horrible on Saturday offensively. Defense was really good. They competed, but they lost 7-3 to a very average Mississippi State team at home. Hey, offensive coordinator been there seven games. And even had some offensive success at the beginning of the season. And they said, yeah. gone. Not even phased. Canned. Just like that. And the fact that Iowa just continues to let that rock and roll is hysterical. Now, Brian probably, you're right, on paper probably will get fired and maybe admin will finally beat Kirk out or they'll say it's both of you, uh, which I wouldn't think Kirk would give that up that easy, but 
You yeah. never know if like if there was any place this could happen though where you can you can survive two straight seasons of being dead last nationally offensively. This is the scenario. Yeah, I. It, it's funny when people bring up nepotism because, of course, what else could it be? What other qualifications does he have that aren't directly tied to coaching for his father? Yeah, that's of course. Why it, it's such a, a non-point? It's like, yeah, Michigan wears blue. Yeah, Michigan films other team signals. We all know this. This is all matter of fact. Um, but it's just so funny that they're so incompetent that they do get the ball in favorable spot. Almost every team in America is in that spot where it's like, all right, boy, they that call, that call really mm-hmm. took the, the the wind out of our sails. But we still we still got an opportunity to go win this football game here. And Iowa has a good kicker. So it's just like it's 20 yards. And then no, he gets sacked. There's an incomplete pass. There's a pick. Game's over. Like, oh, that's you, it. Oh, you, oh, it's not that it's not that the refs made them lose. They didn't win because they're not good. At least offensively. There's zero question there. I just um, you know, the guy I, I should feel bad for don't Cade McNamara, who is the starting quarterback beginning of the year, tough injury to end it for Iowa. And I just cracked up preseason. We said, just keep writing about how bad we're going to be offensively. You just wait till the end of the year. And in the end, the haters were dead right. Wasn't even close. The haters just had their way. I mean, I'm looking up Iowa football right now. And I'm clicking news, Brandon. And there are like four different articles about Brian Ferentz and like nepotism. Iowa football, time for change, angry fans, lettered Iowa football, Kirk Ferentz, Iowa football's blatant case of nepotism is insulting to fans. That's what the athletic wrote. Yeah. So it's a fascinating deal. It's a really interesting deal. You and I are both always interested in Midwest football, and and this one's a top story for sure. Well, and as, you know, a Nebraska fan, we're not very happy with our quarterback situation. Nobody's Mm -hmm. happy about anything at this point. But um, I think it's also worth mentioning that both of our quarterbacks who have been very bad this year and Henry mm-hmm. Harburg and Jeff Sims, they've both been better than not just, you know, the Mr. Deacon back there, but also better than Cade McNamara. He stunk during his, yeah. his first few starts. So it's not like he was the answer. And then all of a sudden football guts took him away on like, he stunk. And yeah, this, he's better than this guy, that's for sure. But I, it, hey, I want to say something about Nebraska football. They're, they've won four or five. That's the wild part about them. They're not even playing that pretty, Brandon, but they have won four or five. So there's still plenty yeah, of light at the absolutely. end of the tunnel. I mean, they're winning. I mean, it's not pretty. Maybe maybe they're just looking at Iowa's game plan. They're like, we're inspired. I'll tell you what. I'm happy with, that, with, with Nebraska. Nebraska yeah. fans can never be happy. So let's just throw that out there. But I'm very happy with how things are. Very happy with how our quarterbacks play. I'm very happy about a lot of things. I'm very happy about the downfall of Eastern Iowa. I'm not happy that this will lead to a change offensively. Because you're right. Even if they're even if they're the 75th best offense in America, they're probably undefeated right now. Yes. Yep. There's no question there. But that's the way the game is played. And hey, if Kirk Ferentz is happy with the process of the team and how they're playing, then so be it. I can't believe it. So though. be it. 
We did have some, you know, I got to say, Brandon, you know, we're looking at our big 12 results this last week. We had some wild games in the end. Like we had six of them. And I mean, it wasn't a snooze fest because there was some really intriguing matchups. But certain games that I thought were going to be blowouts and um, your magic coin from last week. Almost came through. Almost came through twice. I mean, can you imagine (laughs) the the energy in the show if... OU in Texas lose and the it, coin told me to. I'm never making a decision by myself again, Drew Russell. I'm having the coin choose everything. I'm having the coin choose where what to wear, where to go mm-hmm. for lunch. Coins the the, the coin is my deed. Coin gets it. Yeah, the coin but, just yeah. the coin just gets it. I mean, it's it really is that for any life decision, just be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the coin. Do I take a nap? Flip it. Do I get, you know. Do I get this soda today or do I be a good boy? Flip it. Just whatever you want. The it's coin, out of my hands. It's out of your hands. And I'll tell hands. you what. That first, we'll break down all six. But the game I want to break down is Oklahoma Central Florida. That was the first game that, you know, while watching that on Saturday, Central Florida played a great football game. They did. They gave themselves an opportunity and fell just short on a – you know, a two-point conversion towards the end that I, I don't know if I loved the call. They just – I would have passed it. I don't know. Yeah. But – I didn't like that play either. Was that the one – was that the uh, – because there was a couple of real bad uh, two-point conversions, so I might be getting the mix. But is that the the end around? That that would – it was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think there was another one where – oh, I think it was – um oh, I can't remember who it was, but it was like um, – it wasn't supposed to be – he was supposed to hand it off to the running back, and then he pulled it for some reason. And of course, it didn't work out because the other eleven players or the other ten players on offense didn't uh, didn't know where he was going. I can't remember what that was, but um, well, nonetheless, uh, you yeah. look that up. I, one one thing I will say for I OU was not you know considering they're coming off a bye week too. I yeah. thought, oh, they're yeah. going to really cruise. And I mean, they were sleeping at the wheel at times on Saturday against maybe they just looked at Central Florida's record and they see a 500 team coming in, a team that hasn't played great in the Big 12 conference yet. And they're thinking, well, this is a cakewalk to keep our undefeated season going. And instead, I mean, John Reese Plumley was really good. They get a hundred rush yard rush day from from Harvey and their offense put up almost 400 yards. OU only had, I mean, they had 442. Um, and really a couple of OU touchdowns were the difference in the end, but they were nothing for a team that we have sung their praises throughout the majority of this podcast year. They were not impressive whatsoever. And if UCF had found a way to get out of there, boy, this big 12 race would have become even more of just yeah. a train wreck. <laughs> I mean, it was it was close, but it didn't happen. Yeah, and, and the whole game, and it's a little bit different than I'm sure the next game that we'll talk about in Texas, but I was really just expecting Oklahoma to pull away at any moment. But yep. it was just kind of one of those games where like, okay, they're still in it. Okay, they're still in it. Okay, they're still, holy shit, they're still in it. Yeah. And, you know, hats off to, to Coach Arthur Gustavo Malzahn third. Gustavo. Um, Gustavo. Um, mm-hmm. he, yeah, he's, he, he's incredible. I knew he would bounce back. Uh, but wow. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a season for UCF where you have the the game against Baylor, the huge comeback there. 
and then you lose a couple of stinkers that you don't want. And then you almost beat Oklahoma. Yeah. On the road. I, I mean, they are truly they're a team you can't look away from because you don't know what you're gonna get from week to week. They might be are they the most unpredictable team in the Big 12 right now? Because they're start like you're like, look, they're as you said, crushing Baylor. They're up 29 first half. They said, ah, we're done. We're gonna let Baylor come back. And you're thinking, oh, well, that's it. So oh, yeah, they're, they're not ready to compete at this level. And then they just go to Norman. I don't know if that's their first trip ever to Norman, but obviously as a Big 12 member it is. And yeah, close. Very easily could have won that game. Almost took out. And I mean, oh, Dylan Gabriel, OU's quarterback, of course, went to Central Florida before he came to OU. So they almost took out their old QB as well, which would have been just a pretty humorous storyline. But didn't happen. They fell short, and for OU, kind of a, a week of survival, um, and they've got some kind of figuring out to do before this week for sure. Yeah, I mean, what a what a game. I mean, and then the, the next one to kind of jump into it, Texas and Houston. That one I kind of felt like had a different vibe to it, where it felt like Houston was just kind of going shot for shot with them. And of course, you, you know, Quinn Ewers goes down, but. Mm-hmm. Um, same kind of thing. I, I did absolutely, and I, you know, I just spent the first ten minutes talking. Don't complain about the refs if you're not good enough to win. But Houston did get pretty hosed on that, uh, it, yeah, on that fourth down spot, which is tough. It, it, they did, and Big Twelve refs are famous for a reason. It's why their Twitter account was one of the great or X account, whatever. These one of the great follows uh, for a long time. Another one of my best Big Twelve follows was the Big Twelve ref refs um you know alongside uh you know cyclone larry and uh you know fake dan bb who's a commissioner back in the 2000s those three really knew how to produce quality or cyclone larry of course still does but tough loss for houston and they i mean they got i mean donovan smith had a great game passing the football against a texas defense that's been viewed as tough throughout a good chunk of this season and houston was able to really move the football tied in the fourth quarter midway through, and they just could not find a way to get that last finish at the very end. A couple of turnovers really were the difference in that game. They're also only four of 13 on third down. Otherwise, Brandon Houston, again, a team that just, I mean, they probably, they're, they were so, I mean, they could have, should have easily lost to West Virginia. They went on a Hail Mary and, I'll give a little back, Dana. Yeah. They they're competing. At least there is some life. It looks like in that program, and maybe it was just big bad Texas is in town. We're going to show some energy, play hard. Kind of our one of our big games this season. They played well, but Texas finds a way to get through. And maybe the biggest storyline, if you're looking at from a nationals perspective, of course, you mentioned it, that injury to, to quarterback Quinn Ewers and kind of figuring out what the future is in that department. Yeah, um, looking ahead, though, I think, I got to say, I think they're in pretty good shape with Malik Murphy. He, from everything that like I've read, read upon, he's the real deal. And I think I, I've even heard a couple of people on Twitter say if things were completely even, if there is no Quinn Ewers was a starter last year and played well, or if, you know, if they all, if all three of those quarterbacks came in with a blank slate, there's a good chance that Murphy wins that starting job over Quinn Ewers. And, you know, as some, 
not as somebody who wants to see Texas, you know, collapse. That that would be that would be great. Give me that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We got it here. Yeah. We yeah, understand. Yeah. But we're, we're pure- unbiased, of course. <laughs> But as a pure college football fan, I I'm pretty excited to see what he can do. I mean, this is a unique opportunity in the way that folks talk about him. There's a chance that he balls out the next couple of weeks, and we never see Quinn Ewers in burnt orange again. Or he doesn't ball out, and Arch Manning comes in. Yeah, I mean, well, because he, he, you think about it this way, Quinn Ewers probably going to the NFL one way or the other next year, and then if he doesn't play well, Texas may not want him. So then he goes in the transfer portal, he goes to somewhere. Maybe he comes up north to Nebraska. We need a good quarterback. And then, you know, it's the Arch Manning show uh, in 2024 in the SEC. That's You mentioned an interesting point about Quinn Ewers, and I heard this as well about USC's Caleb Williams this last week. Mm-hmm. That somebody said that Quinn Ewers and Caleb Williams, should, if they're hurt and they, they got a shot being drafted the NFL next year, sit rest of the year, get ready for draft combine. And I thought... What a loser take. I, I, I was like... If... I don't know. I was pretty stunned by that. I thought they legit, just because of a little injury, and you, the, well, the Caleb Williams was, well, they're out of a national championship conversation, so he has no reason to play anymore. I thought, he has a lot of reasons to play. His team is counting on him. And you're going you're gonna to deny him that i mean i wouldn't view that positively as an nfl executive if this guy is like ah, i'm gonna sit out for my nfl future i personally wouldn't like yeah. that i would say this guy doesn't want to compete yeah and i think caleb williams kind of gets the, this bad rap and i think now now some of it he, he brings on onto himself like with the the, the fuck utah painting the, the nails last year Ooh. not a good look mm. or I, I guess not yeah just a, a bad look and, and you know there are certain shots of him throughout the, the process where, but there's one thing that like I picked up more than anything about him is that he's a competitor. He wants to win. He's, you know, crying his eyes out at a loss to Utah in October. I mean, you're kid, you're telling me this kid doesn't want to win at all costs. Telling me that this guy doesn't want to be around his teammates. I've never seen a lick of that, whether or not, you know, he's a, he's a good winner or whether or not he's cocky or whatever. You want to put that on him? Fine. But he's a competitor. And I think if he didn't, if he did decide to set out like Acho uh, suggested, that would take away so much of his competitiveness for me as an evaluator. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, that would be, be a huge hit. Yeah, it was just, I don't know. I, when you said that, I was like, I wanted to bring that up quick because yeah. it's just so stupid. It, it just, it yeah. ticks me off. It just, and I know like selfishly as a fan, I want the best out there. But like, I think if you're a player or a competitor, like you want to be out there no matter the situation. Like you yeah. can be really bad. And I know there are certain unique circumstances. Like if your team's seven and five playing in a bowl game, you're a potential first round pick. You don't want to play. Forget it. I understand that. Like, I really do. That bowl mm-hmm. game isn't worth it. I, I get that. But like before then, if it's October, your team's three and three, and you're like, ah, I'm going to start sitting out and project. I I would be furious. I'd be ticked as a teammate. I'd be ticked as a coach fan. And and that individual, if they're not deep down ticked, it makes me question if they love the sport. Yeah, and that's and we see that all the time with super talented quarterbacks who don't work out. Is that there, there's a difference between love and what football brings you, and love and football as a, as a grind. We saw that with Johnny Manziel. We saw that with Josh Rosen. We saw that with 
countless other quarterbacks who come in, they want to get rich and they want to be the star and, you know, but they want to put in the work and they never work out. There's never been like one super, there's never been a quarterback who's been so talented that he overcomes all of that. Yes. And I love Caleb Williams and I think he's going to be awesome. And I think he's going to look real good in blue and orange next year, but I don't think he can even overcome that. So if he doesn't want everything that comes with that, then so be it. We'll dig into the the blue and orange <laughs> later. Uh, we'll move on. <laughs> That's uh, but no, it is an interesting debate, and we'll see how Texas kind of battles through with their game this week. And for Houston, I mean, it is a productive, tough loss, but they're again similar to yeah. where UCF is, where like those AAC teams of last year coming this year, they seem kind of overmatched at times the first few weeks or collapsing or whatever it is. They seem they know how to compete against the best of the best. Now they're going to try to to put it together going forward. So we'll kind of see how that plays out. But other interesting kind of results this week, Brandon, as well. Uh, another game that definitely I was surprised just at more how big the final difference was, was that TCUK State game, 41 to 3, which is yeah, I mean, pretty shocking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was a shocking where... I'm thinking K-State can find a way at home, but I mean, TCU couldn't stop anything. They couldn't stop this chair I'm sitting in right now. They have almost 600 yards of offense, K-State. And I mean, just, I I know you're playing with an inexperienced QB a little bit in Hoover who did some positive things the week before, but at K-State defense, they ran to a buzzsaw in Manhattan and uh, the little apple uh, they were eating all night. Yeah. I, you know, just like you said, I, I expect the Kansas state to win. And e- even if you told me that they were going to win pretty handily, I would have bought that as well. But the, yeah, the dominance is, is on another level. And of course, you know, TCU on, on QB two, it is what it is, but it, it, it's tough, but I am happy to see Kansas State hit their stride. You know, as as much as I, I love TCU and and I wish they would figure it out, I knew going into the season this would be a rebuilding year, and that this would probably be as bad as of a TCU team as we'll see in the near future. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm also glad to see that Kansas State's still sticking around in the Big Twelve race. They went out; they are, yep. they're in control of their own destiny at this point still. Um, so they got some some stuff to look forward to, um, and I'm. And Avery Johnson looks electric. And I think the the two QB system gets a bad rap because it hardly works because you have mm-hmm. typically you, you get one guy who can run one guy who can throw. But then when you put in the running guy, you, they stack the box. They know he's going to run. And then you bring in the throwing guy and like, okay, well now we're going to drop back. You know, mm-hmm. he's gonna pass. it seems like both of these guys can do just enough of the other thing. Like obviously, uh, Avery's a electric runner and a fantastic athlete, and that's where he's going to really torch is is getting north south on the football field with his legs. But he had a couple of really good passes to where, all right, now we have to play the pass a little bit. And Will Howard has shown that you know he's probably the more r- refined game manager and game operator coming out of the pocket, but he's also a good athlete as well. So you can't just you know, drop back in and play coverage against him. Otherwise, mm-hmm. he'll torch you with his legs as well. So it feels like a, a uniquely good two-quarterback system. Yeah, you're dead right. Will Howard, of course, still producing well also. But they had four different players, Brandon, that had at least 60 yards rushing. 
You know, and Ward's a pretty dynamic. DJ Giddens, that's a fast dude as well. That dude's got a little bit of pace to him. So they've got weapons all over the field. There is a reason, you know, preseason we did we we you know respected K State. I wasn't all in on them. I didn't know if they're gonna take that step forward or back. They lose to Mizzou in non-conference. Oklahoma State gives them a little bit of a a little bit of the business on a Friday night a few weeks ago in early October, but they've really been able to bounce back and they're in a situation right now where, you know, their schedule going forward, they're at home against Houston this upcoming week. Then that next week at Texas, and that will be a very, very interesting game. I'm, I'm getting to the point. We'll see how this week plays, but I, I feel pretty good that the winner of that game, I think one of them will be the representative, uh, for a potential conference championship in Dallas in December. Yeah, because you look at both of those teams' schedule, and they're going to be favorite. Texas is going to be favored in the rest of the games throughout the process. Kansas State's going to be pretty good favorites, I'd say, in every game except for that Texas game, of course. But yep. the 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 path is definitely uh, setting up pretty well for them to kind of set up a you know like a big Big Twelve, you know, Big Twelve semifinal game. It very well could be, and that's – K-State is tough. They are physical. Obviously, Coach Kleiman's done just outstanding work there after, uh, you know, you lose a guy like Bill Snyder, and you don't know what's going to happen. Like, you don't know the consistency. K-State, before Bill Snyder got there, was one of the worst Power 5 programs in the country. They were bad, bad in Manhattan. And Bill Snyder built them into a consistent winner, you know, do everything right, play everything right. That was the big story and narrative. So a lot ahead for K-State. And despite even a non-conference loss, they can still have a shot to win this, to run this table. And they've given OU some problems too. And even though that's not on the schedule, unless it's a big 12 matchup uh, for the championship, this is a K-State team that's going to do some damage potentially. Show it. So it should be really interesting what they do going forward. And for TCU, boy, the road has not been kind to the old Horned Frogs this season. Um, they've had some very difficult losses, especially to those northern teams. Iowa State wasn't a pretty one for them, and, and K-State even uglier. Yeah, and the the bummer with TCU is that when, when you look at their schedule, you kind of think like uh, you, you got to beat up on – these teams early because they still have to play Oklahoma. They still have to play. Uh, they still have to play Texas. They still have to play in Lubbock uh, just here next week on a primetime game. I mean, the, the, the slate isn't kind to them. And with four wins, it's it's actually tough to see uh, an opportunity to get to a bowl game, which is crazy to think about. I, I, I was just about to ask you if, they make a bowl game and I, I mean, they're, they definitely can, but they're going to have to find, they're going to have to win one of the next two against TCU or um, excuse me, against Texas or against Texas tech and no guarantees um, what they'll happen. They'll have the buy this week to try to even things out than a short week next week on that tech game being a Thursday. So We'll kind of see what happens for TCU, but for Coach Dykes, I mean, this has got to be kind of a painful season. This is a flaming hot take, Brandon, but I actually think you'd asked him what he would prefer from a schedule standpoint of where he'd like his program. 
I think he would have preferred, even though last year was a ton of fun, I think you'd have preferred to have flipped the seasons where like last year, this like what they're going yeah. through this year, like they go through this last year and try to, you know, learn their stuff. And then what last year's season was where they, you know, get to a, a national championship game. I'm guessing they'd prefer to have had it this season because that looks like more of a natural loop. Instead, they start at kind of the peak in season one and they're going to fall down a little bit in season two. And now I'm curious how that affects recruiting. Can they keep that energy high for the program? Because a lot of people are going to view it as, was that a fluke or not potentially, um, whether that's fair or not. But that's something that um, I have read and I've heard too. So I'm hoping it's not for TCU because they're a good program. I think Coach Dykes has done clearly an outstanding job. But those narratives are going to build up, especially if all the losses that continue to come in. Yeah, uh, that F word is the the, the big one that's going to get thrown around in these kids' ears when you know you're a coach of a of a team and they're visiting Fort Worth for one week, one week after their their sit down. But you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you look at it and you you think, boy, was that just a fluke? Can he develop? They still got have a top twenty recruiting class coming in. They're still very active in the transfer portal. So you could also sling it and say that. Um, well, you know, hey, we need dudes. We we, we mm-hmm. got the the X's and O's now. We need the Jimmys and Joes, and that's where you come in and make that case. Like we we have physical proof, and you know it is what it is as far as this year goes. But they they still have that thing that very 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 few teams have, and that's a win in the college football playoff. And that's yes. not nothing. That's very good currency. And at this stage in the game, you, you latch on to anything that you can at that rate. So I, I think they'll bounce back. But um, looking at the, the Big 12 standings here at, at the top, yeah, obviously mm-hmm. Oklahoma's 4-0. Mm-hmm. Texas, we talked about them at 3-1. and uh, The rowdy Iowa State Cyclones at 3-1. and We'll talk mm-hmm. about them when we preview this week. But also a team I didn't expect to be here after the, the first few weeks of the season, that's Oklahoma State. 3-1, yep. and one, they picked up another big win on the road against West Virginia over the weekends Ooh. and watch out. I mean, they're, they're starting to find their rhythm here. Those pokes are hot. I mean, they scored 28 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, just sheer dominance in that frame. And they got off to a great start. West Virginia battled back. Um, and for West Virginia, I mean, their offense all of a sudden after really struggled, even when they were winning in those early portions of the season, it was their defense that was kind of their calling card. Now it seems the offense has wake up or woken up and for Oklahoma state or or for their defense, all of a sudden they seem to be struggling getting stops. I mean, they lose in the hail Mary last week to Houston and then look, Oklahoma state's offense historically is really good. Uh, But this season they've showed some struggles. And how about Ollie Gordon? Do you see this number 29 carries 282 yards for touchdowns? So, uh, Ollie Gordon had himself a uh, cup of coffee, a donut. They just decided to get the whole platter as well because he had himself quite a day. So just a good effort from Gordon. But uh, for Oklahoma State, you're dead right, Brandon. We were wondering when they lost Iowa State back in September. I mean, it was kind of a lifeless effort from Oklahoma State. I felt at times a lot of complaints about Mike Gundy. We, You and I had a 15-minute convo on this podcast about 
What is Mike Gundy's future? How do they adapt? And it's almost a reverse of last season, even though we've got a few games to go that they start out slow. You're wondering. And now all of a sudden they have picked up some nice wins. They beat K-State, who is playing some quality football right now. West Virginia has been tough throughout the season. They could get a nice road win here. And just like that, Oklahoma State's 5-2. and two. Yeah, and, and you look at the schedule. They have the new four teams. Trying to think of, nope, they got all four of them coming up on, on the schedule here in the next five games. They, they also have a matchup with, with Oklahoma. And still water that will be as rowdy as that place has ever <laughs> been. So watch out, Oklahoma. But they're also going to be favored in every other game. So it's not crazy to, to, to think that they're out of it. And same goes for Oklahoma State, if I'm not mistaken. We'd have to look at the tiebreakers, but if they win out, now, well, they'd have one loss, and Texas would have one loss, no head-to-head, so we'd have to dig into the numbers there. But, I mean, there's not a there's a world where they finish with one loss in the conference. There is, and that's what makes this Big 12 race very interesting. We have one undefeated team in the conference. That's OU. And since there's no longer the everybody plays everybody scenario as well, I'm curious, you know, that tiebreakers, uh, those could be really intriguing uh, in the future as well. But yeah, Oklahoma State give Coach Gundy and his staff a lot of credit. Alan Bowman's playing nice football. Their defense has been making some more strides. They've got to be pleased with how – They've been able to back things up this season. You're dead right. That final, um, you know, when they have Bedlam in mid-November, that is going to be, you're right, an absolute train wreck uh, in terms of an environment because that series as of right now is going to be put on hold, which is incredibly depressing. And we'll talk about that probably, you know, more as we turn that calendar in November and rivalries kind of come to a, a head, especially that Thanksgiving week. But it is depressing kind of hearing that and realizing that end is near of another great rivalry that's been killed by, by realignment. Lots of great stuff coming up this week. Um, I didn't, uh, we'll, we'll look at the pick them here. Didn't have a, uh, didn't have a losing week uh, listening to the coin. So I'll chalk that up uh, for what it's worth. Three and three. Um, not as hot as Iowa legend. Drew Russell, five and one <laughs> with that one loss. And Cincinnati had him on the ropes at, at the end. They did. Of course, couldn't complete the comeback there, but great week for Drew Russell and company. Hey, you know, I uh, still low key want to do the coin for fun though, one time. So I'm hoping I get a bad <laughs> week eventually just to get that, that, that coin in action. But um, yeah, Cincinnati definitely had a shot, Brandon, but they just could not come through in a really nice win. Uh, for Baylor on the road, they were outgained. Uh, not everything went their way throughout the day, but guess what? That scoreboard said victory, and that's all that mattered. So a nice win for Baylor. And they'll take him any way they can get it at this point. Mm-hmm. But look at that, a clean slate coming oh, up. Oh, man, that looks like a 6-0 and week if I've ever Absolutely. seen it. Absolutely. And I'll get things started here, Oklahoma and Kansas. Also, a quick plug to our other show, Bookie Brook, uh, where we do a little bit more of a sports betting. I cooked up a 10-team parlay this week, Drew Russell. Ooh. That includes uh, Oklahoma winning in Lawrence. So I'm going to double down on that take. Give me the Sooners on the road. This is a really interesting football game because, I I mean, Kansas at home definitely has a shot. Um, but I still don't have full confidence in Bean as the quarterback. They are just a different-looking offense with him at the helm compared to 
Jalen Daniels. And so I've got to go Oklahoma as well. They're still unbeaten. I actually think they're going to have a tough week of practice under Coach Venables because I think Mm -hmm. they cannot be happy with how they played last week. So I've got Oklahoma on the road as well. But Lawrence is a fun environment right now with the the revitalization of KU football. Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. And uh, that tough win against UCF absolutely played a a factor into my decision too because what are the odds that they have two back-to-back weeks like that? Especially coming out. Uh, it's not good, week, but it's also it's college football though too, Brandon. Don't forget that. That's that's our number one rule. Then uh, speaking of that ten team chef Shanahan parlay cooked up outside Texas there. Um, I feel better about Texas than I do Oklahoma. So yeah, hook them horns. We 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 don't like picking Texas, but I gotta start racking up some wins here. You're you're pulling away pretty quickly. Yeah, this this matchup is um it's it's such an unlikely matchup, like to have BYU and Texas face off against each other, and they've got a little <laughs> bit of a history. Um, you know, BYU. We that was the only game we really didn't dig into is BYU Texas Tech. BYU picked up a nice home victory last week and continue to kind of just float under the radar right now. Just the the good stuff that they're doing, but unfortunately, Brandon, I'm with you. I I just. I don't have the guts to go with BYU. I've got to go Texas as well because you know, they didn't play great last week. I'm going to do the same narrative. They're mad after the kind of a lackluster showing against Houston. But we'll see how the QB play looks as well for first full start. Yeah, if you're going to sell me on Texas, you'd probably do it with the fact that they have Murphy in a quarterback. And if he struggles... You know, BYU can get after you, but luckily I think the talent gap is pretty wide that even if mm-hmm. he struggles, they should clear pretty easily. Yep, yep. Now a team in a, a bit of a uh, letdown spot, I'd say. Kansas State versus a very uh, evidently a scrappy Houston team in the Little Apple. Tell me, Drew Russell, does Kansas State uh, have a little bit of a hangover game or do they take care Ooh. of business against the Cougs? You know, Donovan Smith is going to keep the Cougs in this football game. I think, in fact, I think they he's playing really good football right now. And so I do think that they can keep him in the game. Uh, that said, I've been pretty high on Kansas State at home throughout the season. And it's kind of similar to kind of that Texas deal. I, I don't mind how Houston's playing right now. Um, but it's just, you know, those AAC teams that have come over, Brandon, they have not proven to me really yet they can go on the road and win. Um, and so for that, I've got to go K-State. Yeah, I I just haven't seen enough of Houston actually getting it done to to, to go mm-hmm. with any other team that they can't stay. Obviously, the Hail Mary play was pretty cool, but it, it typically don't deserve to win games when Mm-hmm. Went on a Hail Mary and then couldn't get it done against Texas. And that, you know, kind of lost pro- might even take some some uh, wind out of the sails. We'll see how they bounce back um, as far as uh, assessing Daniel Holgerson going forward. But, yeah, give me give me Kansas State at home. And speaking of home teams, I also like Oklahoma State here. Cincinnati hasn't uh, adjusted very well, I think. And Oklahoma State's cruising, um, especially with, with the run game. They're, they're, they're going to milk this thing for – or anything that they can, and I don't think Cincinnati has the the horses to keep up. I don't either, Brandon. You know they lose back to back home games. I don't know what the morale is in that locker room right now. They have they're at their fork of the road the season. They might be going down that wrong path right now. 
but they have another opportunity to come out and compete really well. And they did compete much better last week against Baylor than compared to, to Iowa state the week before. But uh, yeah, yeah. I think Oklahoma state's a very safe pick. Up next, uh, Arthur Gustavo Malzahn leading the Gustavo. Golden Knights. Gustavo, what a what a name! I, it, you know what, your I I was gonna go West Virginia here, but I can't bet against my guy Arthur Gustavo Malzahn. Give me the Knights at home. I'm changing my mind. You know what, Brandon? It's funny because I think I, I I'm guessing Central Florida is the favorite. But West Virginia is playing some football that I'm pleased with. And I actually, I'm going to go a reverse psyche. And I want to make this interesting anyway. I, I, I am going to take West Virginia on the road. And I'm going to do it because I think their defense will clean some things up this upcoming week after a tough showing last week. Um, UCF has been... I'm gonna. I'm gambling that they are gonna be the inconsistent team uh, that's not playing too well. Uh, so I got West Virginia. I really. We'll see if Coach Brown can get back to those good vibes or not. Um, they've lost two straight. UCF definitely coming off a high of competing well against OU, but I'll say West Virginia finds a way to get it done. Yeah, interesting slate for West Virginia coming up here. As far as uh, if you're gonna, you know, make a make a bowl game here, and that's why I need the map behind me so I can talk about all these wacky scenarios. How likely it is for a team like West Virginia to get to bowl season? But there's a path there. But you you got to figure out how to, how to win here. They play the three of the next uh, three, four, yeah, three of the the new four teams in UCF, BYU, and Baylor. So. And Cincinnati, and so you you look at those games. Well, I guess Baylor's not a new team, but they stink. So mm-hmm. you circle that as a winnable game here. And uh, I think because of that, that there's still plenty to feast on. So I, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot of urgency. Uh, but this game should be fun in Waco, Iowa State, and Baylor. Oh boy, I I don't know what to think. Baylor's been bad, but Iowa State are they for real? Well, Iowa State's played a lot better football. And this line, I do know they are a slight favorite in this football game. But, Brandon, I've been picking against Iowa State for the last few weeks, and Iowa State's been winning. And I've got to do what's best for them, and I believe there is um, some cohesion. So even though it doesn't make sense, if it hurts my overall record, so be it. I'm taking Baylor. Uh, The Bears are... Usually pretty tough on Iowa State and Waco. They've had a lot of success down there historically. And we'll see what Coach Campbell and his staff comes up after a bye week. That'll be, I don't know what his record is. I I know it's a positive one historically. But, um, you know, Baylor's off a win last week. They have shown some life at times this year, though they've gotten killed at home a couple games too. But I'll take the Bears. I, I, I don't feel good saying that. And, of course, I expect or hope Iowa State wins. but. You know, I'm a person who's kind of a skeptic at time, Brandon. And every time I pick against Iowa State, they win. And I care about that more. So I got Man, Baylor. I yeah, um, I'm, I got to tell you, I, I wanted to pick Iowa State, but I'm also looking at the record and think, well, well, whatever Drew go, wherever Drew goes here, I, I got to go the other way. It's it's too close of a game to, yeah. to, to not try to pick one up. So I'm, I'm glad that you went Baylor because I like oh, I, or Iowa State here. Um, I, it, it's tough. 
And I absolutely, if he had gone to Iowa State, I would have been comfortable picking Baylor at home. Um, should be a, a, a good big. Let me preface this to sickos like us who love the Big 12, it's going to be mm-hmm. a great game, great Big 12 matchup. If you're not a big fan of the Big 12, maybe not one that you have up on the TV. Yeah. But uh, outstanding stuff here. I, you know, I, I think we got a good slate here. We, we got a good variety of, you know, big spread games as far mm-hmm. as like heavy favorites in Oklahoma and Texas. Then a couple of like pivotal, pivotal, pivotal uh, <laughs> games as far as the uh, the Big 12 race goes in Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State. All opportunities to, to keep their Big 12 championship hopes alive, which is crazy to say that all of those teams are still in the thick of it with the narrative being uh, so heavily around Oklahoma and Texas this season. You're dead right, Brandon. And we talked about it kind of in our close last week about that this is still, we don't know. I mean, last week kind of played out to an extent how we were expecting it to, but you're looking at just a couple plays away from it being sheer anarchy in terms of the OU Texas results and whatnot. So again, anything can happen. That's what makes it a beautiful sport. And and yes, you're right on that Baylor Iowa State game. You you know you've got to get you on to your ESPN Plus. You're going to have to get creative uh, if you're looking to find that game. But you know Oklahoma Kansas is the Fox Big Noon kickoff this week, which that's great exposure for Lawrence and trying to build up that opportunity. And and they I you know we both picked Oklahoma. But KU's got a chance, but it will come down to pretty much that QB play. And can they find some consistency there? Because their talent, I mean, OU's got more talent, but KU is extremely well coached. So that will be a very interesting game and what should be kind of an interesting week of college football. And, you know, after this week of slate, Brandon, we'll get into November. And that's when those stakes really feel like they start to add up. And in a year where, no one feels there's a dominant team in the country. It's just kind of a lot of mayhem right now with Georgia undefeated. No one's really sure if they're uh, they're not as good as the last two years, but they're winning, so who cares? Michigan has looked like the most dominant team, but now they've got their fun little scandal going on right now, so there's going to be that. Um, you know, Ohio State's an interesting contender as always couple of those back pack 12 schools i mean washington's still cruising out west and that will be kind of fun to keep an eye on going forward so there are some really really good narratives being drawn throughout the country right now and in this big 12 slate a lot of teams battling for bowls i mean if byu or ku gets an upset this week both these teams are all of a sudden in great shape to potentially get to that big 12 championship game uh so you know, the great, uh, I know you're a Broncos guy, but as the great former, uh, you know, Oakland uh, owner Al Davis once said, just win, baby. And that's what all these teams are trying to do right now. That's what makes college football so special. That's why yep. we're, we're doing, not, we're not just doing a college football show. We're doing a Big 12 show. Imagine somebody doing like an NFC East show. How boring that would be. Uh, oh, yeah, they won. Oh, yeah, they lost. Nothing's different. Nothing's different. College football. I mean, just in a week, we have had, again, all the scandals and just junk that's happened in a week is absolutely remarkable. It really is. I mean, we didn't have the Michigan stuff last week. We did not have this Iowa kick chaos stuff going on. We didn't have Cliff or Lincoln Riley just disappearing on his team after a loss. 
Uh, I guess Cliff Kingsbury is still alive. I didn't know he was at USC, but I guess they, they're like looking at trying to get him to be a coach. Oh which yeah, is they hysterical. had to, um, they had to bring him back to the states from Thailand. That's yeah. how much they wanted him. Yeah, like this dude is just in Thailand with his girlfriend over there. They're just chilling. They're like, and he's an analyst over there. He's just working remotely. They're like, hey, watch yeah. some game tape. Work ten hours a week. Here's a two hundred fifty thousand dollar check. And this dude is just chilling over there. And then all of a sudden it's, by the way, do you think you can fly back to Los Angeles? Cause we're not sure where uh, Lincoln is right now. <laughs> we are, we're, we're looking, um, but just, I mean, this sport is ridiculous. You know, I, I, I mean, I was talking to OU friends the other day and, and I'm like, Two years ago, Lincoln Riley was considered like the most established coach in college football. You're thinking he's going to be at OU forever. And he takes off middle of the night. And now, like, Oof. he reportedly doesn't want to recruit anymore and all this. I'm like, that's never a good sign. So, I, I, I don't know. What, this Drew sport's Russell. incredible. Tell you what, Drew Russell, if he, uh, I don't know, maybe took a job as an offensive coordinator like somebody had suggested last week. Uh, you know, maybe his life would be a little bit easier. I'm just the saying, dreams alive, to potentially. The dreams will just let him go fail as an NFL coach. Which I don't <laughs> think he'll get the job, but but go let him fail as an NFL coach. Him, yeah, well, well, somebody I've will give him that. Kingsbury, Kiff Kingsbury got fired at Texas Tech and got a job because he was around <laughs> Johnny Manziel. Uh, Lincoln Riley could have as as fair share. We're, we we might we may see a Jim Harbaugh uh, Lincoln Riley NFL game here pretty soon. Maybe even in the AFC West, two of those teams might be looking for new head coaches here soon. You know, Brandon, I'm old enough as a Vikings fan to remember when Jim Harbaugh went and interviewed for the Vikings head coaching job a couple of years ago. And I'm old enough, unfortunately, to remember, I was like, I'm good with Jim. Bring him to Minnesota. And I thought it was, I still don't think it's a bad hire from the NFL standpoint. I think he'd be very good for sure. I, I, he had a lot of success in San Francisco and he just had a team president that had an ax to grind and wanted him gone. Like that was literally as simple as that. And I, I, but it is just a wild deal. You've got Texas A&M officials that are ready to pay $80 million to get rid of Jimbo Fisher. I, I, it's an incredible, incredible sport. It, there's nothing, just the week-to-week pageantry, the, all the behind-the-scenes junk, it is an incredible deal. And, uh, you know, doing this Big 12 podcast, we might take our salt, small slice, but um, – the narratives just across the board and even within the big 12 is, is pretty fascinating. I absolutely agree. No better place in the world than a, uh, than big 12 country. Any, uh, anything else you'd like to add before you sign off here, Drew Russell? Uh, multiple things quick. I've been, I've been chatting a lot tonight, Brandon. I want to give a big shout out to the, the Utah Utes future big 12 Utes. member. Got USC for the third time that created up kind of thing kind of sparked all this chaos over there and Utah has been playing some really good football. So congratulations to them uh, on a win. Uh, Big 12 hoops. Hard to believe we'll have to do a little uh, conference basketball preview. We'll have to do a mega show in a week or so because college hoops is starting in less than two weeks. So pretty wild to think about that. We've got to, we got to preview what should be a wild, wild season upcoming for Big 12 basketball. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then uh, I think my uh, third and final thing, your beloved Texas Rangers, Brandon, how about that? They're they're in the okay. World Series. So look out. I mean, are you going to go? I saw the resale ticket price today, only 600 bucks to get in. That just seems like a bargain to me. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I got to tell you, Drew Russell, I moved to, to Texas a couple of years ago. The season I moved here, 100 loss team. That's Last true. year, they still had 90 something losses. They weren't good. Now they're in the World Series. So, you know, give me one of these. Mm-hmm. They pull it yeah. off. As the great Al Michaels once said, go figure. Go figure. <laughs> Simple. Absolutely. And oddly enough, um, the last time, so I lived here for a year, a few years ago, and that was mm-hmm. the last time they had won the division before. Well, I guess they didn't, still didn't win the division this year. But then I moved back to Omaha as the um, as the playoffs got underway, and then they that's when they got their teeth kicked in by Toronto after mm-hmm. I moved. So I... I'll tell you, I am the difference. It is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I think you need to get a jersey right now and just say you have the Rangers jersey and then it just says difference on the back and then just me. No (laughs) number, just me, just the difference. So we all make our contributions in the world, Brandon. I mean, I was at the Chiefs game on Sunday. Did I you start a trade Mahomes chant? I sure tried and got booed. So don't worry, Brandon. I'm always fighting. I'm always fighting, fighting the good fight. I'm fighting the good fight for America. Well, <laughs> good deal. Well, perfect. Drew us another great week of college football here. We got daily college football content here on the Quenchard Connection Network. We'll be back next week.